How journaling helped me more than therapy and the simple guide I used to journal. When I was a kid, there was a stigma around mental health. People didn't openly talk about it. You certainly didn't tell people if you were going to therapy. Mental health was a private affair. Things have changed significantly since then. Gone are the mainstream days of tough it up and rub some dirt in it. People who preached mental health a few decades ago were looked down on as hippies. But now hippies are cool. Mental health proponents have become mainstream. More public figures than ever before have opened up about their mental health journeys. As a society, we've successfully normalized prioritizing mental health. This is a good thing. Mental health is just as important, if not more so, than any other type of health. It is a vital pillar to consider when trying to improve one's fitness. No category of a person's health lives in a vacuum. Improving in one area will improve all the rest. Living a healthy life requires a holistic approach, not a siloed one. The flip side of mainstream mental health resides in the exploitation of those seeking help. There's an infinite number of gurus, specialists, and even professionals that claim they have the answer to your mental health woes. All you must do is buy their book, enroll in their course, or sign up for $200 weekly appointments. Even family and friends have become experts on how to improve mental health. When I got serious about my mental health, I found the number of options overwhelming. Through the years, I've learned that what works for some may not work for others. I had to experiment and iterate over a long period to discover what works for me. The solution was surprisingly simple. The beginning of my journaling journey. My first encounter with consistent journaling came in the eighth grade. I had an English teacher by the name of Mr. Slocum. He was a tall man with a large nose and hair that belonged in a bird's nest. His classroom was filled with monkeys, which could have either described us kids or the stuffed animals that hung from the ceiling. One of the very first assignments we received from him was to purchase a simple notebook. It would become our journal for the year. He encouraged us to get ones that had no lines in them, just blank pages. My mom took me to an art store and she got me a sketchbook that met the requirements. Every single class with Mr. Slocum began with 10 minutes of journaling. He would occasionally have prompts for us to tackle, but it was always up to us to write about what we wanted. He taught us that journaling was not about keeping a record of our day. Instead, he encouraged us to pick a topic and write creatively about it. I'm not sure I've seen a group of 8th graders be as quiet while we journaled in Mr. Slocum's class each morning. Though he reviewed our journals for a grade, he made it clear that he would skip entries we asked him to. He understood that writing every day would make us better writers. He no doubt wanted to prepare us for our end-of-year writing proficiency exams. But I believe he was trying to instill a greater lesson in us. A lesson that superseded academics and extended into our real lives. I still have that journal. 
I'll probably need a magnifying glass when I'm older to discern the tiny 0.5 lead handwriting. I find it interesting to read back through some of those entries and get an insight into that prepubescent teenager's mind. Some are more whimsical. One of my favorites is entitled Kleenex, My Best Friend. It takes a lighthearted approach to living with severe allergies. But some are serious, learning to deal with anger, struggles with self-confidence, or coping with a death in the family. When I look back, these were my first attempts at journaling to improve my mental health. I didn't know it at the time, but it was a practice I would come to rely on later in life. How the pandemic revitalized my journaling. My journaling practice after the eighth grade was sporadic. It certainly wasn't daily. Sometimes it wasn't even yearly, but as time passed, I kept turning back to it. I would do it once or twice or for a month, and then I would stop until I needed it again. Right before COVID began, my life was extremely hectic. I was learning a new job. My family had just moved across the country. My partner was pregnant with our second child. My attention was consumed by everything going on outside myself. COVID further amplified that, but after a week or two of lockdown, my life began to slow down. Like many people trapped inside, my thoughts naturally turned inward. It was the first time I can remember having the space and time to take stock of where I was personally. I fell back on journaling to help me process it all. I began to journal every day. Getting started with habits like this can be challenging, so I initially relied upon an outline to help me get my thoughts down. It went like this. Number one, three things of gratitude. These were often little wins like my daughter not waking up in the middle of the night. Number two, three things I'm feeling. I would describe things I felt that day and why. Sometimes it would include a frustrating interaction at work. After I was done with my three points, I would look back and see if any of the feelings had merit. Was I being irrational or unwilling to see someone's perspective? Number three, three things I want. These included things like, I want to wake up on time tomorrow, or I want to spend more time with my daughter. And number four, three things I know. I used this section to reaffirm things I already knew, like, I'll feel better if I wake up on time. As I did this practice, I noticed that I was getting the most value out of the three things I'm feeling section. I eventually stumbled upon a simple meditation practice to capitalize on this discovery. I married it to my journaling practice to optimize it for myself. It begins with a simple focus on breathing, and then I ask myself these five questions. How am I truly feeling right now? Where in my body is this feeling emerging from? Why am I feeling this emotion? How old are you? And what are you trying to tell me? Writing down my answers helps me identify and confront how I'm feeling. It leaves no room for ambiguity or avoidance. It helped me realize that a lot of my emotions are on repeat. Some of them have been building up for most of my life. It has been very useful in allowing me, someone who likes to avoid hard emotions, to express how I'm feeling if only to myself. Rules for mental health. I've learned there are no rules for mental health. Everyone is different and will thus require a different prescription. Some people may need an actual prescription. Some will find a lot of value in therapy. Some can just journal. 
The key was in finding what worked for me. My personal experience with therapy was underwhelming. After hearing so many positive things about it, perhaps I went in with too high of expectations. The initial attempt to find a therapist is laughably complicated. I soon learned there are all sorts of professionals with varying qualifications. There are therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, counselors, and even life coaches. Once I sifted through that, I had to figure out the type of therapy I wanted to try. Talk therapy, psychoanalysis, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychodynamic therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, or experiential therapy, just to name a few. A person must get a PhD to talk to someone who may or may not have a PhD. I have found much more value in journaling than in my time in therapy. There may come another point in my life where therapy will come back on the table, but it hasn't happened yet. Journaling for life. The scientific research around journaling is inconclusive. Some studies point to the positive effect of journaling while others condemn it. Some say that journaling can improve mental health and even physical health. Others note that writing about traumatic experiences can deepen trauma. There are all kinds of opinions on how to journal as well. Many claim that stream-of-conscious journaling works best. Bullet journaling and gratitude journals are also popular. I've learned journaling does help me. I now follow these principles to get the most out of it. Number one, go in with no expectations. Number two, Resistance to journaling is a sign it's time to journal. Number three, explore both good and bad emotions. Number four, structure is helpful but not necessary. And five, simple is best. My journals have changed as I've gotten older. That first sketchbook was full of sketches, glued pieces of paper, and taped memorabilia. They've transitioned from physical journals to digital ones, back to physical journals, and back again to digital ones. I've learned the medium matters less than the action. How I do it has become less important than just doing it. Consistency has been less important than resiliency. My current journaling practice is an extension of my meditation practice. It is the tool that I leverage for introspection. It helps me process my emotions so I understand how I'm feeling. I like to think it makes me a more intentional person. I'm sure I will continue to ebb and flow in my journaling practice, but I'm confident I will always come back to journaling.